Good evening. This will probably be the only service of the year where you know you're going to get out by 12 o'clock, right? Because that doesn't happen on Sundays, right? Um, yeah. Anybody made any uh, resolutions? My my resolution is is I'm going to start working out again in in April. Um, I figure. <laughs> I figure I'll just get past the, uh, you know, the false start and the guilt about not following through on my resolution. And then, you know, my brain will be ready in April to actually, you know, follow through on, on what I want to do um, on the working out again. Um, glad y'all are here. Um, last year, I saw one prominent preacher telling his congregation to shout out these ten declarations and they would have victory in the new year. Uh, I won't be telling you to, to make any declarations for the new year. I don't believe uh, that you get to decide what happens in the new year just by speaking positive words at a certain point in time. That sounds more like Christian voodoo to me. And so, um, so instead, tonight, we will look at some examples of faith in the family of Abraham from the book of Hebrews. And we'll notice that there were distinct qualities uh, that, that allowed Abraham to trust God even when he didn't know what was coming. Specifically when he didn't know what was coming. And we certainly don't know what's coming in the new year. Uh, we look back at this past year, as many of you have talked about in your testimonies, and a lot of things happened that we didn't see coming. Um, Perhaps you struggle with your finances, um, broken relationships, lost loved ones, lost people close to you. Um, your health may have started deteriorating. Uh, people have gotten sick. That job isn't working out. Or maybe you're just plain old bored and discouraged with your life of faith um, in God. So tonight we'll look at Abraham and we'll see seven ways that we can imitate his faith in the new year. We're going to look, be looking in Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to start at verse 8. We're going to read uh, the first 12 verses, I mean, 8 through 12. This is what it says. It says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born even of one man, and him as good as dead at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Let's pray, and then we'll, we'll talk about this text. Let's pray. God, Lord, we thank you for, for bringing us to the end of this year. And we pray tonight that as we uh, read and study your word, that you would prepare our hearts for the next year. That we would 
see you and your greatness, see your trustworthiness and your faithfulness, and be ready to live by faith. Father, may my words fall, may your words stand. Lord, change our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 8, by faith, the first two words we see uh, that enabled Abraham to do anything is by faith. And uh, before we even get into the seven um, ways to live by faith this year, we need to do some groundwork uh, to cover before we get to, to Abraham. So what is this faith that made it possible for these people to do these amazing things? Is, is faith like a superpower that we can uh, use to do supernatural things that gives us a supernatural ability like to have babies in old age? Is that what it is? What, what is so special about this faith that prompted Abraham to leave his, his country, his family, his home to live as a nomad uh, fighting kings and rescuing his family from enemies? If we look at a couple of previous verses in chapter 11, we get a better idea of what this faith is and why it enabled these people to do these great things for God and how it can empower us in the new year to trust God with whatever he may allow into our lives. Let's go back to verse 1 in chapter 11. Verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so what we get from this is that faith, in essence, looks forward to something better, right? There are things that we hope for. We're looking for something better. We're assured that better things will come to pass. It's why, it's why we don't like movies with depressing endings, right? Like we hope that at the very last minute the hero will win against all the odds and the people will end up better than they did before. But is this just wishful thinking? What is this assurance really based on? Verse 6 will give us a better insight and a richer idea of what this faith is based on, what it really looks like. Verse 6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him, being God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So the first part of this verse tells us that it is impossible to please God without faith. But then it tells us how to please God and what it means to have faith. That's what this four clause explains. It says, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. That explains what it is to have faith. First, it means to believe that God is. The word they use is is. And this is more than just believing that God exists, because we can make up any God in our head that we want, right? What it means is that it means that we believe in God, that God exists as he has revealed himself in the scriptures. All of his attributes, his omniscience, his omnipotence, his omnipresence, his compassion, his justice, his wrath, his faithfulness, his holiness... So we believe all of those things, that God exists in all of these ways, with all of these attributes. 
The second part of the verse tells us that faith will believe that God is always generous and always does good to those who continually seek him. So faith is based entirely upon who God is and what he is able to do. So every time tonight when we see the words by faith, we need to see that faith is not a power that we have. Not a power that we can muster up by our own will, but the power is in the object of our faith. God and his faithfulness, his consistency, his power and his love. And we see Abraham living with this truth as a reality in his life. So let's look at the first of the seven ways that we can imitate his faith. We know what faith is now. So how do we live by faith in who God is and what he can do? The first way we can live by faith, faith will act in obedience. The first thing we are told is that by faith, Abraham obeyed, not knowing where he was going. He believed God was right, okay, and he let his actions follow through on that belief. Faith will act based on the trustworthiness of God and his promises Even when we have no idea where our obedience will take us. Just like Abraham had no clue where he was going when God called him. This year, God may ask you to take a step of faith in obedience. And you may not see how it will work out. But you can know that if it is really God who is calling you to do something, you can take that step by faith. Based on who God is. You're going to hear me say that all the time tonight. It's based on who God is. His trustworthiness, his character, and what he can do. Sometimes faith will seem ridiculous and absurd. But it is better than no faith. We are looking for something better. That's what faith allows us to do. If you say it is better to trust in science and in reasoning and in pure logic, then... What happens when you are sick and dying and the doctors tell you they can't do anything for you? If you have no faith for something better, you have no hope, which will lead you to despair. Or do we just say that, you know, in the grand evolutionary scheme of life, you were just unlucky and you have to suffer so that others can look at your suffering and, you know, maybe we can fix that. We can, you know, improve our medicine and improve our psychology and improve our behavior modification techniques. And through your suffering, people will get better. Well, that doesn't help the person who's suffering, right? Where do they get their hope? Where do they find any uh, joy and satisfaction in life? Great, you're going to help those people in the future. But hey, what about me? You know, we are never going to stop people from dying. How do we give people hope? We need to have faith in the new year to have hope for something better. Otherwise, we're just going to be miserable. Number one, faith will act in obedience. Number two, faith will persevere patiently. We're told in this text that Abraham lived in the land of promise as strangers by faith. This was land that God said would be Abraham's. But we see Abraham living in tents, wandering around, 
At one point, he has to rescue his nephew Lot from kings in the land. He's having kids. The Bible says when he's as good as dead, modern translation is he's old. All right? He's about to kick it. But he lives in the land. This is the hard part of faith. The initial obedience may have been easy. It may even have been exciting. We say, yes, I'm going to obey God. And he's going to do great things through me and in my life. But when we don't see the fruit right away, it can be very easy to doubt. Abraham lived in the land for years, waiting patiently on God to deliver on his promises because he knew the author of those promises. This year, make no mistake, God is going to ask you to persevere and wait on him. And I don't know what area that's going to be. It may be finances, it may be relationships, it may be school, job, your health. I don't know. But you will persevere in faith because you know God has something better for you. Maybe you haven't seen it yet, but because you know who God is and that he rewards his faithful people, you will be able to live in the land, in Bahamaland, until God proves himself true to his promises once again. Persevere. We find the next two uh, aspects of faith in verses 13 through 16. <clears throat> Verse 13 says, all these died in faith without receiving the promises. We'll talk about that. But having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Number three, faith will believe God's promises are guaranteed no matter when they are received. Now, we read verse 13, and it says, they died in faith without receiving the promises. What? They died in faith? Abraham believed God for these things, but he didn't receive the promises? That just doesn't sound right. It sounds like he wasted his time. If we were honest with ourselves. But what else does the text say? The text says we are told that Abraham greeted the realities from a distance. And he knew that the earth was not his final home. In Abraham's mind, once God made the promise, the reality of receiving it was assured. It was guaranteed no matter when he received it. It was as good as done. Again, this is based on the trustworthiness of God. Knowing that he has the power to make anything happen at any time. Even if it's after we die. And he is always good and will always give us the best thing for us at the best time. Number four. Faith will not look back in regret. 
If Abraham was only looking for an earthly reward, he could have turned back. He could have said, you know what, this isn't worth it. Uh, it looks like God isn't coming through with this promised land stuff. You know, the people I'm living with are heathens. He had every rational right to turn around and go back to the comfort of his own country, his family, his house, and even probably regret his initial obedience. But he didn't because he trusted God's wisdom to bring him from his past to where he was right now. Faith does not long for the good old days. If you moved in obedience to God, that was the best thing you could have done. There is no room for regret. Faith lives in the moment of where God has brought you. So let's not look back at this past year or maybe even this past decade or whatever decade was great for you, the 90s, the 80s, the 70s, the 60s, the 50s, wherever you want to go, whatever was your golden age in life. Don't look back at that and long for that. It'll only make you bitter. And it'll only hinder you from moving into the next phase that God has for you. This is why Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, he says that we should not ask, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. It's not where you've been, it's where you're going. And Abraham understood that. And on the flip side of the same coin, number five is faith will look forward. Faith won't look back, but it will look forward. Abraham was looking forward to a heavenly city. He knew that one day, even if it was after he died, God was going to give him a better home, a heavenly home. And in the same way, we should not live as though this life is the only place that we will ever have. You know, we can spend this next year and the rest of our lives trying to make sure we have more money and more stuff and more security because we think this is it. This is our ultimate home. But it's not. And I just want to say a word to the parents. Parents, beware of unconsciously training your children to believe that they need to work as hard as they can to get as much as they can, as fast as they can in this life. Because if they don't, they might not have enough to survive. You'll be unconsciously teaching them that God might not provide, that God might fail them, that God might not be faithful. And they grow up and they become intelligent. They become industrious, ingenious, ambitious, godless adults because they did it all on their own. Abraham understood that he had to move by faith, trusting God's character to provide. And someday he would receive the promises in full. And that makes life more interesting, don't you think? It certainly adds some adventure to what can otherwise be boring and stale Christian lives. Where we have provided everything for ourselves in the flesh, but have not allowed God to do anything in the spirit. Do you want your children to be faithful to a call God might put on their life? Or do you want them to be rich? You say, well, why not both? Um, what if it's an either or option? Either they follow God or they're rich. What do you want them to be? We want them to follow God. 
So in the new year, be sure to cultivate a culture in your homes of living for the eternal promises of God by faith. And instead of looking back with longing, let's look ahead with anticipation for where God may take you if you will be obedient. As a church, let's move into the new phases of obedience God will call us to without wishing things could be like they used to be. Finally, the last two, verses 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. Sound familiar? It was he to whom it was said, in Isaac, your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. Not only did God call Abraham to sacrifice one of the ways God said he would fulfill his promises through Isaac. But with that same sacrifice, God was asking Abraham to give up something that was so precious to him. But we see that Abraham's idea of God was so big that he believed that God could even raise the dead in order to make sure that his promises would somehow still be fulfilled in Isaac. Look, sacrifice hurts. I'm not naive. But in the picture of Abraham sacrificing Isaac, we can see God reminding us, hey, I know what sacrifice feels like. God sacrificed his son, Jesus, on our behalf to pay for our sins. Jesus allowed himself to be sacrificed and experienced the weight of sin on the cross and the unbearable pain of being separated from the Father as he bore our sins. But those sacrifices served a purpose. They made it possible for us to have a relationship with God. And just like Abraham thought God could raise the dead, God did raise the dead in Jesus. And now they make it possible for us to have a relationship with God through faith. They make it possible for us to live by faith at all. When God asks us to sacrifice something, we can have the assurance that because of who God is, we can trust him to honor our sacrifices. I don't know what God may ask you to sacrifice this year. Maybe a relationship. Maybe a job. Maybe finances. I don't know. But I do know that he will reward you for your sacrifice. And to live by faith means that you believe God is good and he will reward you for obedience. We must continue to trust in his goodness and his faithful character as we look to Jesus as our example and our enabler. Finally, uh, verses 39 and 40. It says, And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. There we have it again. Because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Last point. Faith will benefit future generations. If we follow Abraham's example of living by faith in the trustworthy character of God, we will enable future generations to benefit from our faith and encourage and empower them to continue in their own faith. We see that Abraham's faith was meant not only to benefit himself, but also the future generations of Christians who would receive all the promises together. You know, I hear people say all the time, I, I work hard so that I can give my kids what I never had. But what about your faith? 
Are you striving just as hard to live by faith so your kids can see and imitate that and maybe even have a greater faith than you? You know what that means? That means you may have to wrestle with some things so that your kids will have a resource to go to when they struggle. That's why it's important for us to face our issues. And we all have issues, right? We have bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, lust, lack of compassion, even apathy toward God. Deal with your issues so that the next generation might not have to. Cut off the pattern of sin that may be in your family to give the next generation a fair shot at a strong faith. Let us strive to pass on a powerful legacy in the new year, this year. So, this year, may we know the glorious character of God as we study his word and then have the faith to act on his truth based on who we have found him to be. Let our hope be based on God and not on our own feelings and our manipulations of what we want. Let's live by faith this year and gain a good testimony from God. Happy New Year.